What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Macabre Master Crew here, and we wanted to give you a short disclaimer about the content of this podcast. We have a lot of things that we talk about that are sensitive topics, um, and so we want to make sure that everybody out there is making sure that they're listening when they're in a good headspace uh, and that they understand that um, we don't want any of these things to trigger you or upset you. And so we want you to know that there are going to be sensitive topics, um, and please feel free to shut off um, and turn uh, us down if you are in a place where you maybe aren't comfortable with some of the things that we're talking about. In this episode and other episodes of Macabre Masters, you will hear mentions of suicide, self-harm, blood, gore, murder, horror. Uh, There's just a lot of things that you might hear. So please make sure to look out for yourself, protect yourself, protect your mental health, and know that we won't think less of you if any of the subjects in this podcast are, uh, you know, something that isn't good for your mental health. Uh, Last of all, we love you. We hope you're having an excellent day. And for those who want to stick around, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so that's close enough. I can align them from there. That's easy. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess this is the part we're supposed to get started. Um, (laughs) all right, ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Uh, I'm Pope and I'm hanging out with, of course, Elizabeth and OG Nick. Uh, there's a little, in our discord, that's a little nickname he's picked up. So OG (laughs) Nick, I like it a lot. He is the original Nick, so that makes sense. And um, before we get us started with the content of this podcast, which is, of course, going to be talking about The Purge, um, I actually wanted to uh, let you guys know that um, we have recently worked on uh, kind of uh, improving our presence out in the world. So uh, we've got an Instagram at Macabre Masters. We've got a Discord. You can find the link on the Instagram um facebook group is being worked on right now all sorts of stuff so if you just guys if you if you if you've been listening to this podcast and you've been sitting there thinking like how do i join the macabre click um which is a term that i just made the fuck up and it actually sounds really douchey (laughs) sounds like something like like fucking like some bros would say like bro i want to be in the macabre click bro the only problem is this dudes like that would say it's the macabre click anyway (laughs) it's french guys um anyway so um yeah if you've been thinking about kind of ways to interact then uh those are all great ways there are a lot of them are still in development but you can find us out there we're doing the thing um for now though uh let's go ahead and get into this so i'm gonna pass it over to our uh our resident subject matter expert on all things purge uh elizabeth and we're gonna go from there so you all right, so um, the first thing I want to really point out about The Purge is there's a lot of content in it that is really upsetting for people, like just thinking about in the first movie as a home invasion horror, right? Like we see a lot of conflict right there. But The Purge itself, as you go on through the rest of the franchise, the movies, the series, we see a lot of other different types of horror that is real nitty gritty. It's not like your normal creature feature. It's not even like um super gory in the way like that saw is gory but it actually gets into what it's like to live 
in America and a time where um, killing is made legal for 12 hours out of one night a year, right? And and what that looks like across uh, from different perspectives, uh, from our different racial perspectives, just different gender perspectives, different socioeconomic and political perspectives. Um, so that's kind of a synopsis of what The Purge franchises but what did you guys think um just seeing the first movie because i know you guys hadn't seen it before right that is correct i had not seen any of them no i had never watched them i saw yeah so i watched the first one and the last one that's what i saw so i fully watched the first one and then i watched um the kill counts um dead meat uh james agenese's dead meat kill count um on all the other ones Uh, i was running low on time I've been super busy, so uh, I know they're not uh, a full replacement for watching the actual movie, um, and I can't fully form an opinion based on that, but it does give a perspective of, he, he goes down the whole movie. Um, I sent a link in the Discord, and everyone should check out James Agenese. He's a fantastic uh, horror artist uh, in the same realm as we are, um, but he mon- mainly focuses on the kills. Um but he goes through the the beats of the movie that coincide with the kills. I was going to say that I'll post the link in the show notes. Um, but the kind of the moral of the story, guys, is that uh, so Elizabeth is crazy. Like, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Elizabeth is nuts. Sat down one night, like it was like two nights ago, sat down and like was like, okay, I'm just watching all of these goddamn movies. And, I did. and like just one after the other, just boom, 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 boom. I think the only part she didn't get to was the second season of the series. But beyond that, um, like is like I did knows actually. What, knows I, what she's I talking about. So listen to her. The second season of the series last night <laughs> oh actually, gosh. and that was completely different from how they presented the mm. first season of the series. Which honestly, I thought that the series added so much content to what was going on in between the movies and they touched on some really crazy other parts like you think it's crazy having one night a year in america where it is our political patriotic duty and right and obligation as americans right to purge to cleanse ourselves of all of these negative emotions which is the the pretense under which they try to say that these things are made okay um and in the series they touch on what it's like the whole rest of the year right so in the second season they discuss or they start touching on um these people spend their whole year planning on who they're going to purge based off of who pisses them off next like so the purge has actually come to a point where it affects people so extremely that even when they're not purging that's all they become capable of thinking on um and in the second season we actually see a serial killer and how they deal with the idea of somebody who actually has the audacity to kill people off purge and stuff like that. So it opens up a lot of other perspectives, um, at least from that in that season. The first season was really kind of a head trip um, because there were so many different stories being told in the first season. And they did it a lot like that show 24, where you spend all 12 hours. Um, each episode is an hour of the 12 hour purge that they're in. And so you get different ideas or different perspectives from different people hour by hour in each episode. And that was kind of an interesting perspective to take on it based off of what the movie's shown too. I um I do want to point out something about the like the series as a whole and the premise of it. So uh Elizabeth delved into it a little a little bit a second ago, but I actually kind of want to extrapolate on it a little bit. So the premise of the purge for anybody who hasn't seen any of the movies 
um, is that because uh, basically from the first movie all the way to the last, uh, the concept really stays the same with slight modifications. And so um, the way it works is that there was a, basically a revolution in America. And so uh, this government, I guess, kind of took over. And when they took over, um, they kind of, you know, they kind of inherited a really fucked up situation. Like if you think about it, right? We got overpopulation. We got a lot of violence. Although I will say for everybody out there curious, go look it up. Uh, National uh, Statistics on Violence. Uh, we've actually, violent crime has been plummeting for 20 years now in America. It's actually at the lowest point it's been since, like, forever. Anyway, point being, um, violence um, is on the rise, I guess, in the Purge universe. Unemployment on the rise. All these other problems with just too many people packed into too many places, like a bunch of fucking sardines. So they came up with the idea where, uh, you know, 12 hours, uh, one night a year, that you can uh, you can take care of that problem. You can help take care of that problem. If you're a patriot, that's what you'll do. You'll go out there and kill a few people. So um, now the rules of the purge, and there are rules, although they're very limited, the rules of the purge are simple. Uh, you can't use really military-grade weaponry when you're killing people. Um, and then the second one is that uh, everything is uh, legal except killing government officials. Although Elizabeth, of a certain level, although Elizabeth let us know that in a later movie, I guess election year, the government official thing was even off the table. And so um, it's basically a night of chaos. And so uh, what people do in response to this is some people, they go out, they load up their guns, they Kyle Rittenhouse that motherfucker, and they shoot people, or they kill people, or they otherwise assault and hurt people. Or um, some people, what they do is they stay in and they uh, they lock down, and they just wait the whole thing out. And so the two Perch movies I saw, a lot of the plot just came simply from people who were locked down, and then something happened, and um, they had to uh, react to it. But, um, so, I mean, that's the idea, and I think at first blush, the idea makes a lot of sense, um, but I think actually upon serious analysis, it doesn't. I don't really think America as a whole would buy into the idea of a purge if it was in real life. I just do not think that. Um, the uh, If you think about it from a combat perspective or like um, as a soldier or a police officer, um, barring, you know, kind of some really bad assholes out there who are just doing really bad stuff. But if you look at that, the psychological impact of actually taking somebody's life has nothing to do with the law. And has everything to do with kind of genetics and biology. Everything in our bodies and in our genetics tells us that killing other humans is wrong. And in a lot of cases, killing other creatures in general. Um, so I don't think, I just don't think it would face, it would have adoption on a massive scale. Especially on the scale described in the movie, which is essentially that, like, uh, like Elizabeth mentioned, it's like your patriotic duty. Um, and so... But what happens as a result of the purge in the movies is that uh, crime goes down, unemployment's down, everything's down, everything's gravy. So you get to live in a utopian America, and the only catch is that uh, you know you have a very dangerous twelve hours once a year um, until the last movie where people, an extremist group, was trying to make it permanent. You know, so. Uh, but that was that one. By the way, was really on the nose. That was really <laughs> fucking on the nose. 
Like, like I like, dude. I'm like as anti fucking. I'm as anti like Proud Boys and like that kind of stuff as anybody. But and like anti KKK and all that good stuff, like one hundred percent. But like seriously, like they could have veiled it a little bit better. Like it was just like so like obvious what they were trying to say. It's like, hey, we keep letting these right wingers get out of control. This is what's gonna happen. And um Yeah, I don't I don't know that necessarily even that would get to that point. I know there's a lot of shit talking. Um, but the thing is, is like everybody, it's really easy to sit there and talk shit when you're on a fucking computer. It's a little bit difficult, different when you're out there with, mm. you know, weaponry. And then, you know, the people you're trying to victimize, they shoot back. You know, they don't just sit there waiting for you to fucking kill them. Like they shoot back. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. So, um, I mean, do you guys think that the premise would work in real life? Do you think like that there could be a real life purge and that we could actually be purge podcasters? <laughs> We'll give you Hopefully like a, Elizabeth. This guy got fucking killed. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like I was watching Perch like, Cam uh, and he blew this guy's head straight the fuck off. Boom, one, just like Center? that. We'll give him the highlights. We'll be like uh, sportscasters, but purge casters. Purge casters. So they day. go through that in a lot of the other movies and in the show. They actually have like a carnival set up where you can purchase people on purge night to purge at a carnival and it's got like different themed murder rooms like they have sex rooms at a hotel like it's like that um and then there are one of the things that the other people do um the more affluent and rich people will actually throw purge parties at their houses and they will pay poor sick people here's a hundred thousand dollars so you can give to your family to let me purge you but you're dying of cancer anyway why not do it this way um and so they go into uh, a lot of socioeconomic kind of differences and how the rich are able to manipulate the poor or manipulate the system in their benefit uh so they actually discuss like just kind of how comfortable america gets with it and in that regard like it's scary because like you said pope there are a lot of people shit talking on the internet that are like yeah purge let's fucking do that shit it's a real actual following online that being said i don't think that most people do and that's one of the things that they really show the dichotomy of in the movies and in the show um is people who are pro purge and people who are not and people who benefit off of the purge um whether they are pro or against it you know there are human collectors out there that will go and get bounties for you and stuff like that like i want to purge this person and i have the money to pay you to go get them for me shit like that you know so i don't know it's scary to think that there are people out there, even a small faction, that think that that's a reasonable way to deal with uh, the issues that we have here in America. But they are out there. And that being said, the issues that create this mindset are real issues that we deal with here in America. So I don't know. I believe that people like to think that things like that are a good idea um but they actually start talking about that later in the series and stuff too so they touch on a lot of different things i really think you guys should finish watching all of them because like there's just so much i think you guys would appreciate about how the different uh directors touched on different subjects using the same content matter what do you think nick that was one thing that james agenese talked about is uh the original creator uh, for the first purge, which is the prequel, um, and the forever purge were directed by. So, from what um, I gathered from 
the kill count is that um, <clears throat> the forever pur- or sorry, the first purge was directed by uh, by a black director, which focuses mostly on because um, it's like the 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 experiment up in Staten Absolutely. Island, which uh, focused on being black during the purge, and then the uh, forever purge focused on uh, migrant Mexicans, and it was directed by a Mexican director. Um, and apparently the director was like, that's not how Mexicans talk. We wouldn't say that uh, about America. So <laughs> um, I do like that he had um, the forethought to do that. Um, as a whole, I don't think it would work in America. Uh, I know we already covered that, but um, I don't think it would work in America. The, growing up, uh, in the South, the the country South, and being in high school during this time, there were a lot of uh, country boys who thought the purge would be great. I think, um, I think, the first one really shows it off well of who would really want the purge and who would really want to kill are the people who don't have to. I think it would be the rich snobby kids. Um, the rich snobby kids who aren't 18 yet or maybe up to 21 who just who just want to kill, who don't need anything, but just kind of want to feel something. And I don't know. I've From what I've seen from the kill count, the adults don't take pleasure in it. Usually the teenagers and the kids are the ones who get all riled up and start acting really goofy and trying to be scary while the adults are like, they're killing to kill or they're killing to uh, save someone. But, like, the teenagers and the kids are the ones dancing around in the masks and <laughs> giggling and being really goofy. That was one thing that really uh, pulled me away from the movie in the first one is the the main little, pr- the main little prick <laughs> who's, we're just really good upstanding citizens. <laughs> and the, the girl that's, dancing that's around the really hallway. That's really how they think about it, though. Like, going throughout yeah. the movies, so even yeah. the upper class and stuff throughout the rest of it, they hold that same attitude as that little asshole from the first film and that same sense of entitlement, you know? So that's, you're making a great point, and, like, that's actually who benefits from it. And they even go mm. on later to start manipulating the system the nffa the new founding fathers of america uh, which is the new government right they go on to manipulate the system even more to um, incline people that are of lower class or um, who are not white citizens people who are black and and people of color uh to to give them incentives to purge you know and and stuff like that so it, it definitely shows that there is a whole bunch of different classes of people that are being preyed upon by the idea and the capitalization mm-hmm. and the manipulation of the purge. And and I think you're right in that they absolutely younger people um, and pe- people who are of, of wealthier standing are way more likely to take advantage of it in that like sort of malevolent sort of fun way. And you see that theme with like kids and tutus and raver outfits at like roadblocks and shit through all of the movies and the TV shows and stuff like that through all of it. So one thing that I actually thought was really interesting was, um, and it kind of plays into what you guys are talking about too, is that, um, so in, in real life, um, when you start talking about things like, uh, especially like hate groups, you know, um, and I'm not even talking about like kind of the more recent ones. I'm talking about like, uh, Nazis or KKK or, um, or, uh, you know, a lot of different extremist factions. Um, one thing is that 
that's always struck me and and it's always like struck me and, and also with religious people in a lot of ways i'm sorry sorry nick like no hate but just like hear me out uh you see it a lot with christians um and what it is is the idea it's real motherfucking easy to tell everybody else how to live and to try to exert yourself on everybody if you are not at risk of being told how to live or having somebody else's will exerted on you. Hmm. It's incredibly simple. And so like, yeah, you got this, you got the, you got that kid out there and he's like sitting there trying to exert his will because he's at almost no risk. He's in a position of power. Right. And then towards the, uh, in the forever purge, you've got these like armed militias rolling around and for the most part, civilians are just trying to survive. They're not trying to get in a war with an armed militia. And so these people feel like they're powerful because they're exerting their will on other people. And I think that their, their tune normally changes the moment they become on the other side of it. And you see, um, you see a lot of that, especially with um, like far-right groups. Like they, they oppress and then they complain anytime anybody does anything that's you know, takes one of them off of Twitter or something like that. And I don't want this whole podcast to be bashing um, far-right groups, although fuck far-right groups, and if you're part of one, fuck you and don't <laughs> listen to my podcast. Um, with that said... <laughs> I, no, what? I mean, Sorry. that's not... It's, it's just a side point. It's not the point I'm trying to make. I just wanted to be understood exactly where we stand. I mean, words, if you I agree. If you're in the Proud Boys... <laughs> You neo-Nazi, you fucking KKK, you fucking any of that shit, fuck off. I mean, really, it comes down to if you're one of those people that hates for no reason, we can love you for no reason. And if you hate people for no reason, fuck off. I think that's valid. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. But so the thing is, is I actually, um, so towards the beginning of the first movie, um, there's a part where, um, by the way, the moment I saw that woman, Lena Headley. Is oh, that right? Lena Headey. Uh, I was like, mm. Headey. Uh, yeah, I was like, Shame. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I totally so, forgot uh, she was in but, it actually until I watched it again. So it was a surprise for me too. I was kind of, I was like, oh cool, she's she's pretty dope with black hair. All right, rock on. Yeah. Um. So with that said, though, uh, there's a part where she's talking to her neighbor, and her neighbor is like super passive aggressive because of the fact that um they uh. So the main character's husband, who's Ethan Hawke, he um he's a salesperson, and I feel this in my bones as a salesperson. Um, and he made a lot of money by selling basically to everybody in his neighborhood these purge security systems. And so the woman indicates that the neighborhood's pissed because they just put a new addition on their house because they made all this money off their neighborhood. Um, and uh, she conveniently forgets that they were sold a product that works, and it was delivered, and they were using it that night. They just conveniently forget that part. Anyway, she's super passive-aggressive about it, and most people watching probably are like, okay, yeah, that woman is going to be over at some point. Like, it's just going to happen. Uh, and what I thought was going to happen was that they were going to be in a position of power, and then when it got turned around, invariably, that they would uh, beg for their lives. Because that's what usually what happens in real life is somebody's in a position of power, they think that they're God, and then they get punked, and suddenly they're super ultra humble. That's usually how it works. These guys, not so much. I was actually super impressed with that kind of, with um, 
with how they handled it because those people like were true believers. Like they were sitting there at gunpoint, you know, just two minutes before they had had somebody else at gunpoint and they're like, okay, fucking kill us. Like that's this, it's the rules. Like, okay. And, um, but then again, I don't know because getting back into the younger people, when they started getting killed, when they invaded Ethan Hawke's house, they freaked out. Like they were not cool with it. Like, you know, um, so I think that the, the attitude mentality and kind of, um, ignorance and they, you know, um, all of that of youth actually plays into the plot more than maybe I gave it credit to, um, when I initially watched it. Cause adults, like they react differently when they turn around and they're going to be the ones getting purged versus, um, when they are the ones doing the purging and, um, I don't know. It's just such an ugly thing. Yeah. It's like such an ugly thought. So and it's so, something like, that like the NFA like, takes advantage of actually like um, in the series, there's a bunch of young people, teenagers who have been orphaned. They call them the uh, martyr families and original martyr families. Um, people who were in the first purge or uh, people who have lost family and stuff. And they convince these children, the NFA uh, finds like a cult leader. Basically they hold auditions and she starts conditioning children who've been, um, orphaned and and stuff like that to actually martyr themselves and go offer themselves up as sacrifice to be purged because it's for the greater good and it will help the the greater American population learn to heal through their sacrifice and stuff. So they use young people um, in a lot of different ways as well throughout the series. Do you think human sacrifice is ever a good idea or a moral thing? I know we talked about it briefly in Midsummer, but in the context of the purge, do you think? No, this was absolutely grooming and brainwashing. Like it was gross. It was super gross. Like these, they were like seriously programmed, like drink the Kool-Aid type crazy. It mm. was nuts. I absolutely do not condone it. I would argue with any situation that involves human sacrifice that isn't like, for example, they just found those skeletons, right? They found the skeletons of like the, the man died and the woman like basically crawled into the grave and poisoned herself or whatever mm. um, in order to be with him. Um, by the way, uh, really romantic in a kind of his infernal majesty kind of way. Uh, not my jam though. Um, I, well, I don't, I don't know. I haven't been in that situation. Anyway, point being besides something like that, um, I would argue that any human sacrifice situation, um, like you're honoring the gods or you're doing this, or you're doing that. I would argue any of those are grooming. Um, and that there's psychological manipulation, personally. But that's just my opinion. I'm not. I'm not like an Incan or a Mayan or anything like mm. that. I didn't. Didn't the Mayans do human sacrifice? The Incans or whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to come off as like ignorant. I just. I believe those old kind of yeah, societies I'm, used to do human sacrifice. I'm not quite sure. I know the ancient societies did, and. Apparently, there's a modern day one where all the presidents and all the congressmen go around and burn children and kill them or whatever. Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, okay. That is a crazy conspiracy. I know. Theory. Yeah, that's what I was making. Um, that's what I was saying it, and so candidly. <laughs> there was an episode of South Park about this, wasn't there? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, um, it was like, Britney like, Spears. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, Britney Spears is, yeah, she's alleged to be one of them. Um, 
it's uh so the podcast one of the podcasts that inspired this one and inspired me to podcast actually was the mortuary uh, it's actually how elizabeth and i actually started talking was that podcast they had an episode on this and they went really deep into it mm. and it is just fucking batshit <laughs> insane <laughs> Like basically, like every like couple of years, they meet at this ranch out in like Arizona or something, and they sacrifice babies and they like do stuff with children and like have blackmail on all these people so that like celebrities can't talk out against them. Um, and celebrities like Britney Spears had handlers, and so they only say which in kind of Britney Spears' case actually kind of was true, but for different reasons. Um, so like yeah. That stuff is insane. That is true conspiracy theory. That's like water making the frogs gay level conspiracy. Okay. So I have a question. By the way, Nick, fuck Alex Jones. How many? What? What was the kill count for the movies? Like, so I'm sure like there's a lot of varying because like so, the first movie we had yeah. a very centralized cast. The first one I don't remember. It was a relatively no number. Number uh, anarchy and. The first purge, or yeah, or yeah, or election year, they both had like 168 kills that are shown on screen. The biggest thing that I thought was really crazy is most of the kills, most of the kills are men, but watching the first movie and then seeing, um, what's his name, Big Daddy, the guy with the minigun from the back of the, the truck, um, a lot of sexual assault happens to women. Um, so while the kills are mostly men, um, there's a lot more undertones of sexual assault. There are hundreds of people. I don't think, I mean, if he did like a joking thing where he's like, I can count this many people. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, and he also gives like a golden chainsaw for the coolest kill. Like one of the ones was, uh, the guillotine in the alleyway from the third one <laughs> election year, I think. But yeah. Um, some of the kills are pretty heavy handed. Most of the movies are heavy handed. Like obviously the Nazis and the KKK members die, uh, because you know, why not? <laughs> so I sure. mean, as they should, it's only right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things so, that they mention actually in the series is that, uh, women are three times more likely to die on purge night than men are, or they're, they're 300 times more likely. Like, it was some insane, oh. like, crazy stupid demographic. It. Yeah, well, so they, they talk about it in the series. Sure. Um, And they talk about, there's actually a, a, a faction of women who are driving around in this badass RV that I really, really want. I'm not going to lie. Um, And they're, they call themselves as matron saints. And they go around saving women specifically who are um, out in the street or who have their number and call them. And while their abuser is hurting them um, and they actually come in and they uh, will say they diffuse the situation. Um, and then they end up branding the man before they leave is kind of their mark with a big, mm. like big brand that says pig right on his forehead. And so they actually show like the other women's side of that too. So I was really interested to see like, that's, interesting that more men died on screen than women when they give those statistics in the show which the show was also done by bloomhouse which is really cool i was really happy to hear yeah. that the same production company had taken control of the show as well that made a difference i think in how yeah. it was done if somebody else had just taken it over most of them i mean there are a lot of background bodies and a lot of masked people that you can't really tell so sometimes there's a big chunk of gray so he does like um 
most of the horror movies don't have like uh, non-binary or trans characters. So most of the time it's red for uh, red for women, blue for men, and gray for unknown. So um, there's a big chunk of blue, a little chunk of red, and then a little, little chunk of gray for ones that are just background. You can't tell they're facing away from the camera. So he does pretty well with trying to keep up with what is actually what. Um, it'll be interesting if there are any trans characters or non-binary characters in the horror movies, um, like what that pie chart will look like. Sure, absolutely. And um, they do kind of show androgynous people like throughout mm-hmm. too where you don't necessarily know sort of in the background and like in um uh, the cages like as they're being auctioned off and stuff like that you can catch some of that as well which is interesting that they use them in the background mm-hmm. you know still um and stuff like that uh so the hardest part for me honestly and i told pope this earlier is that i i had trouble believing that ethan hawk and lita hetty would actually get married because they really <laughs> seemed like they didn't like each other through the whole movie yeah. like and he she was constantly <laughs> like are you really saying that are you really doing that and they had already had like a, a rough family dynamic so it was weird to see sort of how the family came together because the first actual inst or instance we have spoiler alert here is like when the boyfriend sneaks into the house like that's the first breach of of security right is the daughter yeah. is like 14 or 15 with her 18 year old boyfriend and we think that he sneaks in because he's trying to talk to the dad and then that's not how it ends up so it all starts like with this sort of weird family dynamic you don't expect that the first movie is going to end up delving into this huge social sort of commentary you know because we look at it as an invasion horror so like from just the perspective of the first movie like what did you expect going into it like when you first see what's happening and how things are starting to unfold we've got kind of the geeky little brother we've got adelaide kane and her 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 catholic school girl outfit who's like totally the bad girl teenage daughter right and this disgruntled married couple what did you guys think was going to happen so I'll be honest, I did watch The Kill Count years ago before I watched the movie, but watching the full movie gave me a little more context. First off, I can't stand that little boy, the little brother. I can't, I can't stand the son. I hate him. I hate, He's the whole reason the whole movie happened. Um, I mean, it does. Pr- I thought he was X2 at first. X2. Oh, he from, totally uh, reminds me of my oldest child. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Oh gosh, no, I no longer hate him, but no longer hate, but um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's the okay. daughter, he can be a pain in the butt too. The daughter, she was unfortunately, she like became the role of the quivering damsel. I don't feel like she was very strong or anything. I don't think she like did any redeeming killing of after her dad or something, you know. Um, Lena Headey or Hetty, also strong woman, um towards the very end of the movie um and hawk daddy i mean he was all right uh just kind of kind of too kind of a little too forward and a little too strong but yeah i I wasn't expecting um yeah they don't really seem like they mesh mesh very well the son is kind of creepy like oh man i i was so glad when the boyfriend died though (laughs) i was like oh thank god i was like bro i'm so glad this little little prick got it bro <laughs> go find someone your own age okay yeah, really though he was kind of okay gross. so 
Rar, yeah. for he's I a, love he's you. A creeper. You, I, <laughs> Rar, I love. Oh, uh, well, Rar is I is I love you and dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. So we know um, you speak yeah. dinosaur yeah. fluently, uh, Pope. So I guess I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely do. Um, with that said, um, I will say this. I don't know if you guys thought about this. Maybe you did. I don't know, but but the entire movie happens. The entire movie happens because mm. X two. Yep. Part two, the little boy, he had empathy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the, true. Like, seriously, the entire plot comes just from him having empathy. And so all of, uh, all of it started, well, partially because the, the, the kid snuck in. But the thing is, is like the, the, the boyfriend, he snuck in and that could have been taken care of. And that would have been the end simply, of it. Yeah. And then they could have been the end of the movie. They yeah. Killed, killed so the boyfriend. Chill out. But with all the confusion, because of uh, because of obviously um, the other guy getting let in, and then what all that resulted in, and so I wonder, I, I I wonder if like it's trying to say in a situation like that maybe you shouldn't have empathy, like like from a moral standpoint where they're putting the son, because I don't think it was ever really acknowledged by the family, um, but his actions directly led to his dad dying. I mean, I had to tell my partner right. if it's purge I, outside, you can't give me the code. Cause I am such a soft hearted yeah. bitch about it. I will be like, no, let's save everybody. Right. And so he's like, no, like I absolutely would not give you the code to the door uh, in the security system. Cause I would, I absolutely would. And I think most of us would intrinsically. Right. Like, but in this case, it's, mm. it's your ass or somebody else's, no matter what you do. Well, that's the other thing too is ignorance right so if you don't know what's going on out there and this is something we practice every day as americans like every day right now guys everybody listening to this podcast i want you to understand that there are people sleeping on the streets and under bridges there are people in ukraine as we speak right now their homes their businesses getting bombed and getting chemical weaponed all right this stuff is happening, and we just try not to think about it that often. There's, there's people, there's, there's, there's people, there's uh, minorities and people of color and marginalized communities that are getting killed and getting assaulted and getting hurt by people who feel like they have the power and the onus to do that. It's happening, and yeah. so we kind of constantly live in this state of ignorance because if we sat around thinking about it all the time, it would drive us insane. And so um, that's part of the purge, too, is when um, the gentleman that, that the kid lets in, when that happens, they can no longer be ignorant about it. Like they are, like it is brought into They're no world. longer sheltered, right? And so, right. Yeah. and so now they have to, you know, determine what to do with that information and yeah. what to do with that knowledge. And ultimately, they decide to do the right thing, um, which is not turn them over to these psychopathic teenagers um but i i think when you're watching it at least for me like when ethan hawks like tying them up and stuff and like getting ready to turn them over like there's a part of me that's like okay that's wrong that is not the correct way to answer the situation however yeah. i get it yeah this dude does not want his entire family getting capped like that makes sense and so it's like this really weird dichotomy because you know that the right answer is not what's happening but you also know that the right answer is what's mm-hmm. happening from a certain point of view. 
and then you just kind of have to go with it. But I, I think that the movie squared that circle pretty well. Yeah. And um, so it actually even goes to a bigger circle kind of... because the, the gentleman that they let into the house is in the second movie. And then there's another guy yeah. in the second movie that's in the third movie. And so we actually see a bigger full circle of how saving these people's lives or these people making it to the end of the movie saves more people in the future. And um, you can actually see like how that has a bigger karmic circle, so to speak and stuff too, which I think Mm -hmm. is really interesting that I hadn't really thought of till you just said that, like, but it's true that like by saving that man's life, he goes on to save in the second movie, other people's lives and, and help them get to the end of the purge night too, you know? So that, that's kind of an interesting uh, a, a note and just in the whole franchise like how they portray that and how they they show that that empathy actually has an effect just as much as purging does yeah i was gonna say i got three things from all the information that we just got the first one is yes i i think that i personally probably wouldn't have let him in but when they did it changed the whole situation up and the empathy ended up you know, taking care of the neighbors. Um, spoiler alert, the neighbors come in and like start praying um, to the new founding fathers. But um, the man, I think his name actually turns up to be Dante. At first he's just the visitor um, or the mysterious man or something like that in the credits. But he goes on to, uh, you know, he's helping people in other places. Um, so he comes back and helps. The second thing is I've had, really weird situations where I can't be blind to domestic violence anymore. Right now where I'm standing, uh, two doors down, we had, um, neighbors, they're gone now. They were evicted or whatever. And something about that apartment is haunted because we had this one guy who would like bang on the door at three o'clock in the morning and start yelling at this woman who's in there with like kids. We, we like, after they were evicted, we looked and there's like holes in the wall uh, from where this 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 guy punched the holes in the wall and there's like a lock on the closet and we're like okay did they throw the kids in there and like lock the dad out or something and we had like her friends so she wasn't in the right either because her friends would knock on my door at like 11 o'clock at night so i would probably blast a hole in the door like if i actually had a gun if someone knocked on my door right now there'd be a hole in the door and then someone gone because you don't need to be knocking on my door at 12 o'clock one o'clock in the morning it's really freaky. That's something that I... remind me never to surprise visit you, dog. <laughs> okay, like, not at eleven. Never no, surprise okay. visit. Wait, I don't. I don't so, have like, a firearm. In a neighborhood where that was really common, actually, like that environment. I, I was I that woman that. at one point in time in my life, well, and like I've lived in neighborhoods where that was the constant. Everybody had a neighbor who was in a domestic violence situation, and so yeah. it, it's really hard. You know, when you look at it from that perspective, too, because that does vary depending on where you're at and, mm-hmm. and the, the neighborhoods you live in and stuff yeah, like, as well. It's not common here. That's the thing. It's not common. Sure. Here. Like if it was common, like if there's apartments that are right around the corner where the homeless will knock on your door all the time, like I'd be like, OK, well, it's the homeless guy again. But this was out of the blue. Like every other neighbor, they're they're whatever. But something about those ones, like. They would cat call my wife. They would call her by a different name. So they're looking for someone. People driving up to drop that guy off so he could beat down the door. And then the cops show up and then he's gone. Like, Sounds it doesn't like happen chaos. that crazy. Yeah, it was, I was like, okay. And 
you can show up. You can surprise visit me as long as it's like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, maybe up to like 10 o'clock. Then I'm like, okay, no one should be here after. The third thing I want to say. I'm going I'm to go at one o'clock in the morning. I'm going to knock and then I'm going to step to the well, side okay. behind the wall. I don't, so I don't have a the, firearm the, right So now. the bullets go through. <laughs> I don't got a firearm right now. And I, I wouldn't just blast the home door. That's like illegal. So. <laughs> Pope's just standing there with a Molotov cocktail ready to throw back just in case. Like, <laughs> the th- I thought we were going to have a purge party next. So, <laughs> That's what I was coming over for, man. I was so, coming over for the purge party, man. The thing that I want to talk about lastly is we keep talking about the purge in America, but Rainbot just made a video. The purge is happening in another country right now. Um, it's Malaysia. So... I'm a Christian and I am not, I am not bashing Muslims. The whole country is majority Muslim. And if you are a Christian or a Shiite Muslim, so Shia or any other religion, you're allowed to practice it. But if you try and convert someone through uh, apostasy is illegal. So there is a pastor, a Christian pastor who was helping people like recover from AIDS and giving out free food and stuff. And he was captured by the government and taken away somewhere. You don't know where he was. There was a Shia Muslim who just disappeared there. There's like a a website dedicated to people who are missing. And the police basically admitted to, yeah, there's a, it's, uh, um, the Royal crown or something like that. They're special forces and there's a video of uh, this pastor driving and being surrounded by three SUVs, him being taken, and then they all, all four of those cars take away. And then the police are like threatening the bystanders. So, not here in America, but the, a slight purge is happening to anyone who is not a Sunni Muslim in Malaysia. So, other Muslims. So, a Muslim is attacking another Muslim. So, that's crazy. The same thing happened in Iraq too with Saddam Hussein. He, uh, he, uh, if I remember correctly, he was Sunni. I could be incorrect there, but I believe he was Sunni, and he basically allowed and condoned the wholesale murder of uh, of Shiites and uh, Kurdish and Christians. Um, and it's one of the reasons he got executed for for uh, mm. not only war crimes but just crimes against humanity in general. I mean, so. It's there definitely was like, not a brand new thing. There was a massive purge that tried to happen. And we've talked about it on Macabre Masters, I think, and Lorecast. And obviously Hitler tried to purge the Jews from the world. So, like, I don't think the purge would ever really successfully happen. Because we've, tr- we've seen a purge try and happen in 1940-something. 1945 is when it ended. I think Was it like 1939 is when World War II started? Uh, so... From the 30s and 40s, like we've seen a purge try and happen, and it didn't really work. So I think, I think it's political commentary. I've seen it throughout the movies, like, um, like stockbrokers being up there. I think, um, obviously, uh, black people, obviously Hispanics, are. It's like, I don't know. I think it's really heavy-handed, and I think it's more so the political message than I think the purge itself. That's what I'm getting. I from agree. I, I don't think the idea is that the purge would happen. I think it's just saying like some of these things kind of happen in the context of the purge, but they're actually happening in real life. And we're just trying Absolutely. to show you those things. 
I agree. I agree. It, it, it's a huge um, exaggeration on current events, right? Like it, it really mm. is. They, and you're right. There are so many different situations where we see a lot of these different things happening and then they exaggerate it by like having a carnival, right? And, and things like mm. that, or they exaggerate mm. it um, by the forever purge was really a huge one because we see um, – people who have a job who who are unhappy with their employer essentially uh, decide that they are going to take it back and that they are going to forever purge because they don't feel like they're being treated fairly and, and whatnot. And um, what that looks like and what that anger looks like for people in different mm -hmm. demographics and social situations and stuff. And I think um, one of the important things uh, being a, a white female um in America that we need to look at is that there are different experiences for everyone, no matter who you are. There are good people and bad people. There are grieving people who are using the purge to try to uh, take justice where the criminal justice system didn't uh, uh, in vengeance for their children and their spouses and loved ones and stuff, you know, and that's something that people fight with on a regular basis. I think it's just as terrifying as the purges, there's a fantasy to it where people who are hurt in different ways have the ability to think about how they could be vindicated, right? And and that's a huge mm -hmm. thing to actually introspectively think for yourself, like, would I purge? Under what conditions would I purge? Like, what would it take for me as a person to do that, you know, and to have some empathy for other people and why they find the need to purge where they would stand? Mm. It, it it makes you think a lot about who you are and what your moral fiber is and, and what your character is as a person when you really put yourself in these different situations and different shoes. I think the 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 forever purge is a good example of like things going too far. Now, I didn't get to watch the full movie, but from the context is they're tired of, like, being constricted to this rule. So, like, okay, we're going to make it forever. And then that corrupt government's like, whoa, we can't control this. So they're trying to take it back. I think that's what happens. I think that's an example of when things go too far, when an ideological an ideology goes too far. I think that's a good example of uh, of that. Um, I don't know. I don't think, personally, I don't think I would ever purge. Like, not even, okay, not, I wouldn't even kill a Nazi and I wouldn't even kill someone like that because I've seen reform. I've seen, you know, documentaries of former uh, KKK members and former child predators and former, yes, it's satisfying to watch them get what they like, you know, but to see reform, I think is, well, I'm, I'm very pro-life, like the real definition of pro-life of like, I'm not a big fan of the, the death penalty. I don't believe that everyone should be killed if they did something wrong. I, I do believe that there is, most people can be saved. I'm I'm not so sure about mental illness. Like, you, you, I'm not, I wouldn't kill someone who's mental mentally ill. I just don't know if they can be reformed. Like in the case of Ed Gein, we don't know if they were specifically, um, they were specifically uh, in the case. So yeah, I was talking about in the case of like, Ed Gein and those who we don't necessarily know if they were mentally ill because it was uh, before modern psychology and mental illness was even a thing that would could be studied, and more so men in um, uh, in mental illness. Uh, it's never been really a thing until re very recently. So I'm not sure. I do believe that most people can be changed. Now, if if the KKK member or Nazi is like like if I had someone 
who had like a swastika tattooed right here, you know, right on the forehead. And they broke into my house and I got them at gunpoint and like I got them disarmed. If I'm like, hey, you need to change this and they don't change it. I don't know. I probably just kick them out of the house. And I don't know if they fight back. I mean, I'll, I'll blast someone if someone's fighting back, but I don't think I would. I don't think I could personally purge. That's just a me thing. But I know I'm pretty sure I can name an entire city that would probably want to purge <laughs> uh, where I grew up. Sure. It's pretty bad. So yeah. um, between the, the, the third movie, which is election year, right? Uh, in election year, we actually have, I think it's a governor or a senator, and she is fighting the purge politically. She's actually yeah. trying to get people who want to stop the purge. And so they open up killing um, political officials mm -hmm. over level 10 in order to justify killing her and kidnapping her and sacrificing her right so we'll spoiler alert she gets saved and elected as president actually and she yeah. uh stops the purge for her entire term of service so when we get to the forever purge and um whatnot we actually see the purge is being reinstated a second time and that people are actually anxious for it um, and stuff like that. And I think it's interesting that they go from that to the series is happening. Like the timeline of the series is actually happening over the course of like four years, I think, or five years between the first season and the end of the second season. So, cause there's multiple purges in the second season, two or three, I think. And then we've got the first purge in the first movie. Um, and so these are all happening at the same time and people are, uh, they're actually by the end of the second series, they're showing that, uh, the NFFA has been manipulating not only the numbers, but they've also been obviously using uh, media and stuff like that to encourage people to want to purge. They've been uh, skewing stuff to make people feel like it's actually been effective. Well, meanwhile, we have scientists and researchers actually doing studies on the purge and people who do purge and saying that purging actually makes people just want to purge more it doesn't decrease violence at all and so i think when you say i couldn't purge as a person like it is intrinsically in most people's nature to not want to commit acts of violence like pope was saying earlier we generally genuinely most of the time want to do good things because it's nice to be nice right so we see that in the first movie the family is trying to refrain from purging and then we get to the the part where we've let dante i think is his name you were saying earlier nick um and and so. they're remember. trying to hunt him down in their own house right and then we've got other people breaking in um what do you think like how easily do you think it would be for people to be manipulated actually so say if society were going today and we were to say no we've decided purging is bad we don't like it do you actually think people would turn back to it do you think we would be easily manipulated through media and commercials that that that's something that would happen do you think that people would actually stop once they were allowed to start committing any act of violence or crime that they wanted. And, it, and it's anything, you know, it's a candy bar. It's no longer illegal to rob a bank. It's no longer yeah. illegal to do any of those. It's, it's no longer illegal to fish in, in the national forest. Like everything is legal. So Bro, do you really nice. think people <laughs> would be willing to stop once they were allowed? Two things. The first one is that there is a term for that, which is anarchy. True. Um, and the the last movie, the the Forever Purge, essentially is anarchy. 
Um, and so, of course, anarchy is a really interesting ideology and that a lot of people find it, they find it attractive um, for obvious reasons. Like, it's like, okay, well, no corrupt government, no taxes. But then um, there's also a lot of problems with anarchy, uh, mainly that for a good portion of us, and I will not say all of us by any stretch of the imagination, but for a good portion of us, we live relatively safe and secure lives. And one of the reasons is because we have these systems in place that, um, you know, make it difficult to commit crimes and do other things like that and get away with it. So um, anarchy is not really a good idea um, in any situation. With that said, um, I, so as far as the question of, as far as the question of like, uh, do I think people would be into it? Um, I think that people, not just the violent aspect, but all kind of the entire anarchy, like business model. Um, I think that people are, I think that, how do I say this without sounding like a total asshole? I think that we all serve some master. And I think that most of us really just want direction. Yeah. We just want to be told what to do. We don't want to think because thinking is hard and thinking about what you want to do is hard and making decisions is difficult. And so we see it a lot today with the modern kind of mainstream media. And that is like kind of like, okay, tune in and somebody else will tell you what to think. And then all you got to do from there is agree with them, right? Simple, simple, simple. Children are taught that even from school age, really. Like, that's how our society works is conditioned on mm -hmm. what to think, not how to think. Yeah, like thinking critically is not really a skill, I think, that is as developed as it should be. And, um, you know, I'm not, like, calling everybody out and exempting myself from it. You know, like, I... I I'm susceptible to this kind of stuff too. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely don't want to make it seem like I'm on some high horse cause I'm not, but at the same time. Um, so if there was a situation where basically the government did all that and they were like, Hey, this is your patriotic duty and all that good stuff, uh, barring the violence parts. Cause I do think this violence is just like so deeply ingrained in us not to do that. Barring that stuff. I think most people would probably buy into a lot of different stuff that they in a normal situation think they wouldn't just if they were told it was okay. Hmm. I agree. And uh, by a person in authority. Yeah. I agree, I especially think, if there's a social contract. The thing is, I live where I live. <laughs> I've lived in some pretty violent cities, and I've never lived in the good part of town. I never figured that out growing up. I, I live in the bad part of town now. Um, <laughs> I've always grown up in the bad part of town of Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee is where I was born. Then I moved to Atlanta. I lived in the bad part of uh, Marietta, which is right outside of Atlanta. So I never really lived in Atlanta, but I lived in the bad part of Marietta. And now I live in the bad part of Athens, Georgia. So <laughs> um, even so, even Ringgold, Georgia, the place where I went to high school, not to out myself, I'll never be there again. So you'll never see me cruising through Ringgold. The crime rate there. Now, it is a small town, but still, the, the crime rate now, without the purge, is like 58%. There's a lot of property crime. People love, like, trashing other people's stuff. So, I don't know. And then Atlanta, there's too many people to really make it, like, a, a thing. Here in Athens, there is a lot. And the school of UGA 
and the athens Clark County government love to cover it up. There have been a lot of deaths here that I didn't realize until I started looking up the data, because you can look up public records. There's a lot of sexual assault that happens here, like a ton on the school grounds, like right across from my wife's jewelry studio, there was someone knocked out, sexually assaulted, and wasn't found until morning. We have a lot of people get hit by bicycles. Uh, they're on a bike and they get hit by a car. I think where I live in the South, in places where people are already doing a lot of crime, I think if this situation were to happen where it was given to them, where they could do whatever they want, I think it would skyrocket. And if they took it away, I think they'd still probably do it. I think the purge would still happen here in the South. And see, like, I think the forever purge would always be going on in the South. Like, I think it's relatively, I don't know, I don't know anything about L.A. but like, or anything about New York, but I think some of the Midwestern states, like, what are you doing in, uh, what are you doing in Montana, Wyoming? Like, how do they purge out there? You burn your ranch down. I don't know. I don't know. I think, plus, okay. So, like, you're not really wrong, heavy-handed in the honestly. movie. The thing that I was going to say honestly. that they're really, <laughs> the thing they were really heavy-handed about is the NFAA is sponsored by the NRA and the NRA is really popular down here in the South. If you see on the back of a pickup truck, they got the NRA logo, you know, I found the NRA second amendment, second amendment, but they don't read the whole second amendment sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with having firearms. I, I want some for the house. I don't know, but I don't know. I think they would just take it a little too far. And if you took it away, I think they'd be really upset and they'd cry right now. A lot of people want a monarchy down here. If you know what I'm saying, election year came out on an election year in the United States. And I think it was also pretty heavy handed there. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, I mean, uh, you're not wrong. I live in super rural ranch here. country. <laughs> like and and here. So Colorado, where I live, is a really liberally minded or it's usually considered a really liberal state. But it's actually a big portion portion of the tax that comes into Colorado from citizens actually comes from like ranches and and cattle farmers and stuff like that out here and particularly here in south park where i live like it's crazy if you've watched the show south park it's a lot like that like took our jobs get your guns absolutely um and we have the craziest crime here my neighbor literally and my neighbor literally just had somebody try to kill him i okay so like my neighbors a half a mile away like our oh our, our properties are stre- spread out across miles and miles I, it's 20 miles from my house to the closest town and he had somebody get drunk and take a gun to his property and try to kill him like what happened in in the ghetto down in the city and stuff like that so even it, up here like that mentality it, it's even worse where people are pro firearm and i am I am pro the right to protect yourself and I'm pro the right to hunt. I think that there should be regulations on the kinds of firearms you can own from my personal perspective, but I do believe that people should all have gun knowledge in general living in America. It's just kind of common sense that you could come across a firearm and be prepared. That notwithstanding, like crime isn't limited to the cities. The concept of getting vengeance and purging is not limited to the cities. And I think you're right, especially where places 
um, both in the cities and rural areas in the south and in the midwestern areas, like purging the concept of, of being able to protect what's yours and to have an entitlement to a piece of what's yours, to a piece of the land that you belong to or your business and things like that. People will absolutely commit atrocious things to protect. Um, and so if everybody's doing it and there's a social contract, I don't see people getting it taken away from them very easily mm. or very happily. Like, just because it's already yeah. something that people hold and cling to dearly, you know? But there's there's one thing here, though, and that is that uh, when you're talking about people protecting what's theirs and, you know, kind of defending themselves, um, that's one thing. And that's definitely, I mean, that is a right. That's a right that you have. Like, it's written into the laws of every state. Um, but one thing about a purge is that if that was to happen, there will be much more people out there aggressively seeking to make it so that it's harder for you to defend whatever you're, yours. Like it works both ways. Absolutely, you, but you like you don't you don't get to be just the defender or just the attacker. Like because in a situation like that where it's anarchy, you become essentially both. So from and, a psychological um, so, perspective, don't you think that people? at least in some cases, purge for the sake of feeling like they have to take something back or defend themselves. You know, a lot of people who were purging were doing so because they wanted um, justice for themselves in some type of way. And this was the only way they felt that they could get it. So I feel like there's some blurry lines there in how people could perceive defending mm -hmm. themselves as we see it now in our laws and defending themselves in a purge society and that's that's true i mean when you think about the different motivators of like why people kill people um things along those lines is definitely something that happens and often um and that's that's fine but it also means an increased risk for it to happen to you yeah you know and so like it's like i don't know like i i don't know like i just I find the idea untenable that like you could have one night a year where it's like instead of Halloween, you know what I mean? It's like people walk in the streets ready to kill people. People actually celebrate it. Like they call it a holiday, like in in yeah. the stories, like which is scary. Yeah, you can like put out the blue flowers to like show your support. Instead of put out your pumpkin, you put out your blue flowers. <laughs> yeah, or your wreath, yeah. yeah. That, that's a really but, good like, analogy it's... or comparison. Yeah. I was I was thinking about it earlier cuz I wrote I wrote a blog on the on the subject for the website and um I was going to make a joke at the end about like hey you know uh I'm going to go purge this person as a joke or like purge this situation and then I realized that I could just like Nick said earlier like I realized like despite the fact that I'm trying to make a joke that I could not think of one person that given a like a hall pass on killing them that I would kill yeah. not one person. And like, the thing is, is like, we all like say, okay, well resurrect Hitler and put him in front of me and I kill him. I don't think I would kill Hitler. I don't, I don't think that like, I don't think I would kill anybody. Hmm. And, but then again, um, then again, on the other hand, we never truly know what we do in a situation True. until we're put into it. And I think really honestly, like using the Hitler analogy, I think most people probably 
would understand that for the greater good, you probably should yeah. take this person off the planet. But the thing is, is that has deep psychological impacts. Once again, when you think about soldiers and cops, like when they kill somebody, it haunts them. You know, in a lot of cases, unless they're assholes, it haunts yeah. them for the rest of their lives. I think this, I think one of the most fascinating situations with the purge, if it actually existed, would actually be the long-term psychological effects on the people that purge on a regular basis. Mm. I agree. Um, I agree, and especially but, when there's so many people pumping it. You know, they, there's podcasts yeah. and radio shows, and there's there there are uh, uh, brands of of glue that are FDA approved for blood clotting in use of purge emergency, and like there, it, it's a societal thing like it becomes that huge you know there are purge cleanup companies and there are um like uh places like there are specific people who are granted free passes um and they don't really go into that but like in the second and third movie we have a, a cop pete the cop and he's granted like a free pass so he opens a bar that's basically a neutral zone for people they have to take their masks off they come in you can't purge you can't commit any um, nefarious acts while you're on his premises and stuff like that you know so we see people who are trying to do good there are triage vans um that people set up even though mm. it's a lot of people say it's an unspoken written rule like later on that you don't help people um on purge night because you are taking away other people's right to purge by allowing those people to live or trying to help them and stuff so there are people who are actively trying to do good that we see too. And I think that that really needs to be noted because it's not all just people trying to kill. And we, we, I could never fucking imagine myself like out there just partying it away. Like I've, I've absolutely thought of people who I disliked and stuff. And I'm like, even then I'm way more creative than to just kill them. If I was going to purge, it wouldn't be like a murder thing. I would like, <laughs> make them watch Care Bears tied up like in a, a panic room freaking while pumping like nitrous oxide into the room for hours or something crazy. Like it would be something that would definitely you know, like fuck with them. But I don't think I would actually want to kill people, right? Like absolutely. Actually that brings up that that brings up a great, great question. We're about to have to wrap this up. So before we do, I wanna ask you guys what is your most creative? So, like, say, like, uh, say the purge did become legal, but you couldn't murder people. You just had to, uh, you just had to torment them a little bit, and it was it was legal. But you can't murder them because murder. I'd lock them in the room with my kids for twelve hours. That's easy, oh nonstop. <laughs> I would. There, there you go, right there, boom. So that was my question: Is what is your most creative non-murder purge that you can do? Okay, because what I'd I would do. I would I would lock somebody up and and tie them to a chair for twelve hours and make them listen to fucking um the band that did uh Foster the People. I'd just make them listen to Foster the People for twelve hours. They'll oh, be begging gosh. for death by the end of the first thirty minutes. Okay. Like I always joke, like if somebody saying. were to take off with my kids, they wouldn't make it like a mile away before they brought them back because it would just be like, are do you know what we're oh, having for dinner yet? what's our snack what are you doing where are we going are we Can there I touch? Yet? yeah absolutely like a hundred percent so that that would probably be where i'd start and i would get 12 hours of a vacation oh like cool i'm going to take a nap there you go <laughs> nick what about you what's your what's your creative purge so the thing is i don't think i'd purge with someone the thing is like okay I was growing growing up in Tennessee. I heard there's a goofy law, like those goofy laws. The only 
aquatic animal you can shoot from a moving car as a whale. So I would drive down the road and I would be shooting fish at the water just because I could at that point. <laughs> and if I had someone with me in the car tied up, we'd be playing Godsmack the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even worse oh than Foster gosh. the People. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I'll never get it. Hey, is there purge porn? I just need to. I, I knew it. Oh my god! I knew. I knew. I knew. I did that. I did that just for you. I missed it. I missed it on the Batman one, and so I was like, okay, we have a theme here. I told Jason right, I was I need just gonna to die if somebody... you went looking for purge purge porn before the end of the episode. I can't well, even believe I mean, it. That's hilarious. I'm, t- I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Oh my okay, gosh. Let's probably something about release the beast. Yeah, release the. The beast. really oh, sad part awesome. is, is you missed it last right. week because there's a lot of, and and I can speak from personal experience. There's a lot of great Batman porn out there that you missed the opportunity for last episode. Well, that's the thing is, it's like it's so easy in the case of mm, Batman. Yeah, because that's of course true. There is. Of course, there. I mean, I mean why if wouldn't you even there think be? about like a, I mean, they they already the, they basically uh, made a movie about even it. cartoon <laughs> stuff like the the ultimate uh, the ultimate uh, orgy of homosexuality. Um, which is a parody of the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny. Batman plays a really big role in that. Oh my gosh. And it's not censored. Go guys go look it up on Newgrounds. It's great. It's a great song. The original's <laughs> great too, the ultimate. Uh okay. Let's see. The the purge, a gay porn parody. Oh okay, god. The purge of the pussy. Okay. <laughs> this oh. is happening. Oh my. Oh <laughs> my. Is- they got like women like in like high cut shirts with like the masks on. Oh. Wow. Okay, that's a thing. Wow. So I have the a purge question. erection year. My last question. <laughs> the purge you... erection year. It's a gay porn. Of course it is. <laughs> what would be your purge weapon? Like if you're going out, you know, like what, and you can't say your dick, Pope, while you're looking at the fucking purge <laughs> porn. So ah, I, damn it. I made a comment, and I really think it's kind of funny that. It seemed like they use machetes a lot. And I mean, I watched everything, yeah. right? They so did, like yes. if I were to count how many times you see somebody sharpening a machete in their front lawn or like uh, wielding machetes at a roadblock in their cute little raver outfits, freaking out on people like machetes seem to be the most common besides firearms. I'm talking like if we're counting all guns as one item right it, machetes and guns were probably yeah. the most common we see a few rpgs throughout and stuff so what would be like your purge weapon already got it already got it i'm saying <laughs> so there's a barbie pc and there's a hot wheels pc and the the pc itself has a matching hot wheels monitor i'm grabbing that monitor man i'm, <laughs> I'm running out with this heavy crt monitor you know, blast them with radiation, maybe, you know? Word, <laughs> EMF frequencies to the rescue. <laughs> if if I was gonna if I was gonna take a purge weapon, it would definitely not be a machete. Um, but on the other hand, I, I wouldn't take a machete, but I would take Danny Trejo. <laughs> yes. Who is machete? <laughs> from dr sleep in in the forever purge movie yeah, yeah. i was so excited to see him it made me really happy because he's a really good actor uh he's yeah he's definitely dope all right uh so that's awesome times that's a lot of fun so guys um yeah listen listen purge safely okay that's oh all i'm gosh. saying is purge safely and uh god bless our new american government 
New founding and blessed fathers. blessed be the purge. <laughs> the new founding fathers. Blessed be all that stuff. You guys got any shout outs before we get out of here and call it a night? Or morning. Um, two quick things. Uh, we did talk a lot about a really crazy stuff in this episode. If you are a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault, we really hope that you um, try to reach out, get yourself into a safer situation. Um, there are absolutely all kinds of options out there for you, and we want everybody that's listening to be happy and to be safe. And um, we hope that you are living your happiest, healthiest, and safest life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like to shout out to Natural Mystics Designs, which is a really good friend of mine's personal company she makes custom crowns uh with like crystals and wire wrapping and she does all kinds of other custom work and she's getting ready to have a baby really soon so if you're into crystals if you're into like all that cool witchy stuff um things like that she's got a shop you can find her on facebook tiktok instagram natural mystic designs i highly recommend looking into her stuff and her custom pieces are amazing and fairly affordable as well so check that out very nice i actually didn't have one but now i do bouncing off of uh, what elizabeth just said there's actually a thrift shop here in athens georgia so if you happen to be in the athens georgia area it's called project safe um and they they focus on battered women Uh, they have a hotline that you can call 24 hours um i applied for it but i didn't get the job so you can there's a hotline for 24 hours and any proceeds they go to go to like the women's shelter uh here in athens so that's my shout out Okay, so I was going to say, Nick, it was funny is that earlier you were like, yeah, I'm not there anymore in that town, so um, you're never going to find well, me. Well, I mean... And then later in the episode, he's like, by the way, I'm in Athens well, at 222 okay, fucking Lane. In case you want to come Athens purge any re- of us. Athens is a relatively big... <laughs> in case big. you want to come in at 11 o'clock and get blown away. Nah, Athens is a um, relatively big in the middle, and I'm moving in like a year and a half. No. Less than a year. Like, we're moving in, like, no, a year and a half. So we're moving in a year. Oh, my God, Nick. It's the first rule of of InfoSec, dude. You don't tell people your movements. I mean, Um, I'm not going to tell you where I'm moving, but I'm out of the city. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this. Wouldn't it be cool if you were walking down the street and somebody was like, Ayo, Nick. (laughs) You know, like, they just knew who you were. Well, I mean, Um, at the city that we're moving to, my brother-in-law, future brother-in-law and I, we're going to start a studio so everyone's going to know where I live anyway, relatively speaking, because I'll have a studio and you can see me there. <laughs> Enjoy privacy while you Yeah, uh, while, while I you can, have it yeah. <laughs> yeah, obscurity. Enjoy it while you can. I'm not that um, famous. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I actually, I, I I love how you guys did, like, like awesome, like, kind of charitable stuff. I do want to echo that, um, you know, that stuff's really important. And so... Um, you know, do seek help if it's needed um, and just be safe and be smart out there, everybody. But um, beyond that, um, my shout out for the week is actually a little selfish. So I'm going to be selfish this week because I can do that. Um, And so what it is, is I was telling you guys earlier about it on the discord, but my wife and I work on a comic together called divine illness. Uh, Divine illness is a comic about a, it's about a world where animals are like basically morphed into humans. They're like anthro. Um, this ca- we wrote it way before B stars, so don't come at me. Um, but with that said, um, it's really great. It's a horror comic. It's very gory, very scary, um, and also very sad. But at heart, it's a love story. Believe it oh. or not, the entire comic is a love story. I can't wait yeah. to read it. Um, so it's 
it's it's it's fun and i'm very proud of it um she just uploaded um the first two chapters to webtoons so uh if you guys want to go support show some love um it's on webtoons it's called divine illness and the first issue is actually on sale in the store on beetlemilk.com so um and i'm formatting the second one for print right now so uh make sure to check that out if you're into web comics if you're into comics in general um and beyond that guys thank you so much for listening to this episode shout out to all our new listeners honestly like i i love hearing that we have more people listening elizabeth you want to you want to take us out i don't know do i like Um. take us out of the out of the podcast like uh, the outro (laughs) (laughs) yes yes take us out i I started to do it and then i was like purged (laughs) I was like, I was starting to do it, and I was like, wait a second, this is Elizabeth's leading this episode. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I just want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you, and welcome to all of our new listeners. Um, we hope that you decide to stay and go along this joyful ride with us as we discuss all kinds of creepy and macabre, scary things. Um, please leave us a review wherever you listen on Spotify or Apple Tunes or whatever all those different uh, uh, platforms are. Um, check us out on Instagram and Facebook, and and we hope that you guys have an excellent rest of your day, night, morning, whatever it is you're doing right now. Peace. Bye. You know, they need to write a song about the purge. You know what I mean? Like it just there needs to be a song. It needs to be like it needs to be like uh, you know, like I don't like you. So I wanna fucking kill you. <laughs> um, alright. Later. 